The following is a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, how you can support it, or applying to become a student, please visit www.gpts.edu. Hello and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. My name is Zach Groff and I'm your host. Today I have in the studio with with me one of our graduates, Bertie Kona. Bertie, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Zach. It's nice to be here. So Bertie is from Albania and currently serving in Albania, but uh, he came to Greenville Seminary in the early 2000s and graduated in 2005. He's been back in Albania full-time since 07. He is an ordained teaching elder in the PCA, and he is officially an assistant pastor at uh, Woodruff Road PCA here in Simpsonville, South Carolina. But they've sent him, and Calvary Presbytery as well, has sent him over to Albania to start the first Reformed church in Albania. And, um, and, and his ministry, I get, I get the privilege of hearing about it almost every week at Woodruff Road. But it really is amazing what the Lord is doing through the Konas in Albania. And um, I'm excited to open up a bit of that uh, later on in the podcast. But first, I am really curious, Bertie, nobody's told me. Um, why did you get to Greenville? I guess maybe maybe back up and give us your personal testimony a little bit and leading up to how in the world you found out about Greenville Seminary, why you studied here. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I um, was born in Albania. Um, I, um, I was born in 71, born during the communist regime. Um, both my, on my parents' sides, um, they came from dissident families. I never heard about Christ. They came from Eastern Orthodox families. I think I had a uh, big mouth when I was a kid, so they decided to not talk about anything religious in uh, out of fear that I might uh, send them to uh, Gulag um, eventually. So I never heard about Christ or religion or anything like that. It was very late in... Um, 91, the winter of 91 into 92, after the, um, the the communist regime had fallen when the first missionary team moved into my city, into Albania. It was a uh, um, interdenominational missionary team, uh, but they did preach the gospel uh, at that time. If you had the simplest gospel message and you went out on the street, you will had, had you will have had 200 people next Sunday. I, I mean, as Jonathan Edwards will say, that was a window of grace uh, at the time in Albania. And um, uh, whoever, um, whatever denominations or uh, mission agencies moved in at the time, it was very, very, very fast. Uh, I, I became a Christian on the night of St. Valentine's. Um, I, I bumped into this first missionary team downtown. They gave me a New Testament. Uh, a few um, tracts, and that was afternoon. I went home. I started reading. <clears throat> I started reading the tracts first. Uh, then I started reading the New Testament. I started. I m- remember from the Gospel of Luke, and I went all the way to the Book of Romans. And it was probably around four or five o'clock in the morning um, when I nailed on my knees and kneeled on my knees and and, and prayed. And I. And I felt the need to do to others what those missionaries had done to me. So that was the day I was converted. 
regenerate. Uh, and and I, when I look back, I think that was a day when I probably even felt the call to ministry, the, the, the need to to be preaching the gospel and uh, and give the Bibles out to, to other people. And of course, during um, <clears throat> for, for those 10 years, 92 to 2001, I uh, went through the normal growth period, um, understanding more and more what the Bible uh, tells about Christ and, and salvation. It was in this very charismatic church, um, church plant, that I started to see the difference between what the Bible says in certain topics to uh, what the missionaries were preaching to us. And first I started discovering the difference between what the Bible talks about um, church administration, elders and deacons, and how mission agencies um, and how they build uh, those churches around uh, church workers, uh, coordinators, uh, just a totally different ecclesiology. Uh, Then later on, I started um, thinking about the relationship of free will and and sovereign grace. Um, At that time, I was introduced to a medical missionary who was a PCA uh, ordained minister, but was doing a medical um, missionary uh, work in Albania. And he introduced me to Arsis Sproul, books. Uh, I read um, a little bit from Southern Presbyterians from his li- personal library. I, I, I read uh, um, J.I. Packer things. Eventually that led me to a relationship with P- uh, um, Presbyterian Evangelistic Fellowship. There was a uh, an evangelist uh, from PEF coming to Albania who kept on coming to, to, to check on me and encourage me and um, um, moved me toward ministry. Um, and he became, uh, his name was Petty Cook with PEF. He, he, he became the instrument for me to come to, uh, to uh, GPTS. The, by by um, early 2000, it was clear that I wasn't going to be ordained in that local church. Um, I had become uh, staunchly Calvinistic, uh, as my pastor says now, all the new Calvinists need to be locked in a cage for the first two years of their Calvinistic life. Um, and um, I had alienated a lot of people through my uh, newfound love and passion for uh, the doctrines of grace. So I wasn't going to be ordained in, 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 that, in that church, in that denomination. Uh, so we started looking for opportunities for, for training. Now, as we know, uh, at least uh, 20 years ago, Europe was very dry in terms of good reformed theological seminaries. Uh, The option was either to go to Holland, which meant learning a new language, or go to England, which was quite expensive. At the time, we started applying to, I started applying to all the other reformed theological seminaries in North America, some which belong to our denomination, some which are, which serve to all the Presbyterian bodies in North America. And then they all uh, accepted me, except that I need to have a certain amount of money. And some of them even went as far as offering me, you know, 75% tuition, free tuition. Um, But that was still not enough because I did not have enough money even for that. Uh, At one point, my friend bumped into Dr. Piper at General Assembly, said, I've got my friend in Albania, Bertie. what can you do for him? And Dr. Piper very graciously said, well, just send him over. We'll give him free tuition. We'll find him a local church that will adopt him. 
and that was in June. Uh, that, that was in in June. Um, by August, I was applying at the American Embassy for a visa, which I was declined. And Dr. Piper was very gracious to call actually the ambassador and then talk to the consular of the visa office to um, let uh, to, to let them to convince them to give me a visa to, to come to U.S. And, and, and he did. What was their reason for declining you? I've heard th- at least that part of the story, and it's fascinating. Can you share that with the well, listeners? Well, the consular told Dr. Piper that we don't understand why you want. He, he, he came from uh, an Eastern Orthodox family. He has converted to evangelicalism, and you're a Presbyterian, and there's no Presbyterian church in Albania. And Dr. Piper said, well, precisely. We want to have Presbyterian churches in Albania, and that's yes. and that's why he needs to be coming to U.S. So all this kind of put me a, a couple of months late to school. I I arrived here on the seventeenth of September two thousand and one, just a, a week or so after the, uh, the the airports got open again from from the nine eleven. Um, and of course, I was all the whole the f- whole first year. I was always behind, behind on schoolwork, behind on papers, behind on. Um, but Greenwood Center was very gracious. They, they, they. I, I think they, they saw, uh, whatever they saw. I don't know what they saw, but uh, <laughs> they, they, they just pushed me forward. Uh, they sustained me. Um, they laughed on me, and uh, they made sure that I will succeed, as I did. During this time, as I was flying over to merge now to my relationship with, with, with Woodruff Road Presbyterian Church, PCA, as I was flying over, uh, the question is, where was this person going to stay uh, that is flying from Albania? And I was going to uh, uh, land in Atlanta. Um, during this time, my friend found a way to contact Woodruff Road, contacted uh, Carl Robbins, the senior pastor of the church, and said, here's the situation. We've got a guy coming from Albania. Can Woodrow do anything for him? And Carl Robbins, with his usual visionary um, um, ability, said, absolutely, we will adopt and we'll take care of him. He called one of the deacons at the time, said, you have to excuse yourself from work, go and pick him up three hours away at, uh, at, at the airport in Atlanta. So... I, I, I come out of the baggage claim and I see this 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 guy with my name written on a on a card and that was one of the deacons that I stayed with for the first two months until the deacons uh, allocated a fund for me to to pay rent. Um, they allocated a fund for me to buy books at Grimmel Seminary. Actually, one of the deacons said. Uh, we have opened a tab for you at Grimmel Seminary. You can buy all the books you want. We'll pay your tab at the end of the year. I think that first year I probably bought only the textbooks that were required for reading. So I probably, you know, costed them about 500 bucks. And then the deacons got at me and they said, you are, you are really getting us upset. You need to be buying more books. <laughs> and we don't hear more of this nonsense where you're, not, you're just buying your textbooks. So for the next three years, whatever books um, it was suggested and required and recommended, I, I, I kept on buying. When I got married, uh, Woodruff Road, the local church, um, Greenville Center was great and local church was equal great, if not more. When I, when I got married, um, they, they usually throw a shower um, of tools for men. You know, somebody buys a screwdriver and, you know, another buys a hammer, things like that. 
But what they did for me was a Tools for the Kingdom shower. They made me go online, um, open up a, um, what do you call those, um, when, when people... Oh, like, uh, like not a wish list, but a, a registry. Yeah, a registry. Yeah. So I opened up a registry on books, whatever I wanted, and basically bought them all. I, it, it, took me, I, I, it took me about 100 boxes full of books to move myself to Albania. Just, just the books <laughs> was over 100 boxes. And it was all because of the, 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 the graciousness and the missionary spirit of Woodruff Road Presbyterian Church and, 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 and the visionary um, quality of the, the eldership and the pastors there. Um, and so they, they sustained me, they, they took care of me, they, they, they trained me, um, they included me in their lives, in their homes. Um, they made sure that I will learn as much from school as I will learn from the session. They had me sit in, in their session meetings, in deacons meetings, to make sure that I will get a well-rounded practical as well as theoretical education. Um, so Greenville Seminary and Woodruff Road, that, that made my life difference. Well, that's wonderful, Bertie. Thank you. That, that account is, um, I'm sure I have listeners that are listening right now that are thinking exactly what I'm thinking, and that is that account's amazing. And praise the Lord for His grace working out through His church to um, to bring workers into a, a ripe harvest. And so, shifting gears a little bit, you've told us about where you've come from, why you ended up here, and and some of the impact of of your time here, which is a great blessing. But what are you doing in Albania now? You've been there since '07 full time as a pastor, as a Presbyterian pastor. Uh, tell us a little bit about the work there that you're doing. That's right. I was ordained in the PCA in 2007. Um, the Woodruff Road was very gracious to call me as, a, as an assistant pastor. Um, that way they wanted me to send uh, to, to be sent by presbytery from the local church um, in order to have a more intimate um, personal oversight of the mission work as well as of me. Um, and so Many people, Zach, don't realize that according to the PCA-BCO, you can go out um, from as a missionary from General Assembly, which is done through um, MTW. Uh, you can go out to do mission work from Presbytery, or you can be sent by your local church in cooperation with the Presbytery. So the BCO allows for all these three options. And uh, Woodruff Road uh, realized that it would have been better for me and for the mission work in Albania if I was to go out of Presbytery and, and overseen by, by the local uh, session. So the mission work in Albania is a daughter um, church of Woodruff Road. Um, the, um, the senior pastor and the uh, session there are, are the overseeing body. And that has provided for us a much more loving, Im immediate, and knowledgeable oversight. Um, some of the uh, w when we got there, um, the first thing that I decided to do was to um, go downtown, give out tracts, um, preach the gospel in any possible way but also go after backslidden 
Christians whom I had known in the previous 10 or 15 years. Um, and many of those Christians were backslidden because of bad church management um, and me having been uh, a leader in, 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 that, in, in one of the local churches in that city, you know, I was responsible for them being heard by the local church. So uh, what I did, I, I, I just went, made, made a list of, of, th- of things that I had done wrong in my previous church life. And I went to them, I apologized, and I explained the difference that is now in, in, in my theology and my understanding of the scriptures and invited them to, to come to church, to the, a new church which will do things the right way, uh, right way in terms of theology, right way in terms of church management and leadership and so on. And many of them responded, uh, appreciated, and uh, some of them are actually still uh, members in, in our church. Um, and it, it was a blessing because at, at, right now in our local church, in our mission church, we have all the three generations. Uh, my parents came to Christ under my ministry. Uh, the parents of many other uh, friends in the church came to Christ because of our ministry. Uh, I have been able to baptize children, to baptize adults, to marry uh, a few of my friends, to baptize their wives or their uh, fiancés at that time, um, and see see many people come to Christ, even drug addicts, uh, people that were involved with with organized crime and mafia, uh, muscle men for, for, for the organized crime. So it's, it's, it's an interesting group of people um, that uh, comes to worship the Triune God every Sunday, and it, it is an interesting. It is an interesting group of people. We 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 have, you know, ex uh, muscle men from mafia converted. We have four doctors at the same time in the church. We have uh, elderly. We have politicians. Uh, or PR campaign managers for um, important politicians in the country. So we have a, ra- a, a, a nice range of all kinds of brains and, 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 and looks and even colors. Uh, we have all, 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 the, all the colors, in, you know, skin colors in the church. So in that sense, God has really, has really uh, blessed us. And, and it has blessed us with, with interesting conversions. So, for example, one, one, uh, one of the men in our church, he was converted. Uh, he, when he was in high school, uh, he found a Bible on the side of the street by a trash can. Apparently, some missionary probably had given a Bible to somebody, maybe a child or a, a, a youth. When he went home, my, my guess is that his parents or her parents did not like that, and they just threw the Bible to on the trash can. Maybe, you know, the Bible was given to a um, Muslim family. So my friend, now our church member, um, he was coming home from school, found a book on the side of the street by a trash and decided to pick it up. He was a bookworm. So he took the book um, with himself home and started reading it. Um, started reading it and he got converted just by reading the Bible. Um, when I met him a couple of years later, um, I, I thought, Okay, this is an interesting case. Let's see how much he understood from the Bible alone, reading it in a vacuum, sort of, uh, in, in a church vacuum, not in a in a ideological vacuum. Uh, 
and see what he understood. And of course, he wasn't able to put them to put his beliefs in 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 technical theological lingua, but ends up that he was um, quite reformed. Um, which goes to show you that if you just stick with the Bible, you will end up in the doctrines of grace. You'll end up in, in an, uh, you know, in an understanding of a triune God that is sovereign over all affairs of life, um, and in a need for a personal savior for for, for holding on to Christ. He was already converted just by reading the Bible, and he came to understand the same basic doctrines that that we reform people do. Um, I have another uh, in, in another occasion um, doing evangelism in some of the uh, villages by the coast um, in the midland uh, Albania. I met an eight-year-old man who was a Christian, and his testimony was quite interesting. It still, it still had to do with the Bible. Apparently, some during the Cold War, uh, some American fighter pilots on their holidays decided that they wanted to evangelize people in Albania. And and at that time in 1960s, 1970s, nobody could go in or out of Albania. Albania was, was tightly shut. So what they did was they bought Bibles, uh, they wrapped them somehow, they hired a little Second World War plane, and they flew in and out bravely of the coastal line of, of M- Midland Albania. And they just threw the Bibles from the plane. Um, so this villager, this old man at the time, probably in, in his fifties, I don't know, he saw pages hanging off the branch of a tree, and he showed them. There were just twelve pages from the Gospel of Luke, and, and and that's all he had. Not even the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, just twelve pages in between. And when I met him in an evangelistic trip to that those villages, um, and he could barely read or, or write. He was a Christian. So from two pages from, from out those of Luke's gospel. twelve pages twelve chapters out of Luke's gospel. So so I interviewed him and said, okay, let, let's see you know what, what he understood. And it was obvious that he understood who Christ was and that he was a sinner and he needed a savior. And, and, and he was a believer. Then at the end he said, well, I have a question for you. I think I know what the answer is, but could you explain to me this thing about the Holy Spirit? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, and that is fascinating that only 12 pages from the Gospel of Luke um, are enough to bring somebody to, to, to salvation in Christ. Well, you know, it brings to mind, uh, Ed, of course, our listeners listening to Confessing Our Hope, I'm sure you you are not surprised to hear me say this. It brings to mind the seventh paragraph of the first chapter of the Westminster Confession of Faith, which says, All things in Scripture are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all, yet those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded and open in some place of Scripture or other, that not only the learned, but the unlearned, in a due use of the ordinary means, may attain unto a sufficient understanding 
of them. That's right. You know, that's not to say that the Holy Spirit is unnecessary. To the contrary, the Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary. Necessary. It's not sufficient to have the Word in order to be saved. It needs to be effectually applied by the Holy Spirit in a regenerate heart. But 12 pages pages. in Luke's Gospel. Yeah, that's right. That's I mean, God is amazing. You know, God is amazing. Bertie, understanding the sufficiency of Scripture that, you know, your friend finding a Bible on the side of the road next to a trash can can read that, and uh, and the Holy Spirit can use that to effectually bring uh, regeneration. Um, we also understand the ordinance of preaching is important. That's why you're sent from, mm-hmm. from Woodruff Road to be there, and we're glad that you're there, and we're glad to support you there. But what... Um, you have a project that you recently worked on to bring some very important Christian literature, historic reformed literature into Albanian. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? We have a number of um, translation projects. Um, I, I think any church plant, any ministry that goes into a country where there is no Christian literature or reformed Christian literature, one of the m- main goals or duties has to be uh, to to produce that legacy to produce the legacy and and that is done in a number of ways um, I, I can list them and I can tell you the the, the, the last project last um, but w- one way for missionaries to leave a legacy behind is to make sure to write down their sermons write them in the local language. Of course, Albanian language is my own mother tongue. So uh, what I do, I always write down all my sermons um, in a book form. Now, I haven't published anything yet. Maybe nothing will be published until I'm I'm done. And maybe nothing will be published because they're not good enough. But regardless of that, um, a, a missionary pastor has to be always engaged in literary work. We're already writing chapters. Every time we preach, every sermon in and of itself is a chapter. So when you think of it, uh, you're writing, you're preaching 52 Sundays a week. You're producing 52 chapters in a year. Now, not in as in any book, not all chapters are good, worth reading. <laughs> but there are some good stuff here and there. And they need to be preserved because eventually that is going to produce a legacy. When we think of church, the writings of the church fathers, most of those are sermons. Some of those are uh, treaties, theological treaties, but most of those are sermons. And we have them today because they decide to write them down and 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 and, uh, and keep them. So uh, that's the first thing that that I always do. I always try to write an article d- during the week. I always try to. Uh, translate some smaller portion of an interesting article that can stand in of itself um, as a shorter work. And you always want to promote them, put them in blog posts and uh, print them. I always, every single Sunday in the Sunday Bulletin, I always have one or two articles written or translated, uh, written by me or translated by, by, by me or somebody else inside of the Bulletin so that they will be able to go home and um, read those, read it during the week, you know, j- just be in the Word and, and be, be trained. So you want to make as much contact, you know, the surface of contact has to be as big as possible with the world and with your church and with all the other Christians in the country. So we, we, we try and do that. Another literary uh, or slash musical aspect of ministry is always producing 
or translating good songs for worship. Um, when I became a Christian, I became a Christian into a charismatic church. So they started translating songs of the charismatic nature. So we, at that time, we didn't have any hymns in, in, in Albanian language. So one of the other projects that, that I do is, uh, I, and I try to do it every week, to take either a psalm and put it into a well-established mu- music tune uh, or translate one of the hymns. And usually I come from either the Red Trinity uh, hymnal or the Red Trinity Psalter. Uh, but I, I always consult with other Psalters that we have here in no- North America. I, I try to find tunes that are more, um, that resonate better with the Albanian or the Mediterranean spirit. Um, but uh, I always make sure to to, to keep also those uh, well-known, famous tunes of Christendom uh, that are you know well known in, in in the continental Europe as well as in the British island and, and and North America. It's part of the Christian Reformed legacy that we need to preserve. We have produced a civilization. We need to now um, promote and and um, leave that civilization behind to, to our next generations. So I am also produ- uh, translating and, and um, appropriating um, hymns. And, 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 and so the, the goal is to eventually, in, in a few years, to have a Psalter. So I'm, one of the things is that I'm working on a Psalter on top of some hymns. Another project has been translating good, important theological works. Um, so far, we've done uh, th- uh, things like Attributes of God by Pink. We've done um, two books uh, by John Murray, uh, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. We've done his Christian Ethics. Um, we have uh, translated all the um, the Westminster documents, only, not, not only Short and Larger Catechism, Confession of Faith, but also the Book of Church Order the directory for family worship the summary of saving knowledge is that the first time those documents have been put into albania these are the first time there was an older version of shorter catechism um that was not only dated um linguistically but also on precise theologically the way that it was done um so we decided to, to redo all that um and um for Reformation 500, we're planning to um, put together a conference, uh, hopefully, uh, and promote this this particular works. Um, we, we've done a number of titles, including Dr. Piper's uh, study guide on Westminster, uh, a couple of titles on family and, and children rearing by, by Joel Beakey. Um, recently, the recent, the recent project that we're still finishing editing is John Calvin's Institutes. Now, before everybody gets too excited about that, we did not do the two-volume, the final, uh, what is the, the, the 1565 or fifth uh, version, mm-hmm. um, which is what everybody has in their uh, personal uh, library. We did a shorter version. Uh, the, I think the one version before that, I believe, is the French edition of um, 1541. It's 50% shorter than the final edition. 
And the reason why we picked that were two. First, we didn't have enough money to translate the final uh, opus uh, by Calvin. But also, uh, we wanted to see how that will be used um, these days. Uh, I don't know what the situation is in North America, but in Albania, evangelicals don't read as much. Um, it's it's uh, The evangelical church in Albania is an emotional movement. It is a young movement, um, but it's very emotional, and it is n- not taking advantage of Christian mind and Christian heritage. So before we produce some major works from the Christendom, sort of the evangelical movement needs to be trained to read and how to read. So we decided to go with the shorter version. It has been fully translated. I'm in the last pages of editing it, and hopefully this summer we'll be able to push it toward the print. Um, but it's 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 the first time that a work of this of 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 Calvin and of this caliber um has ever been produced um and we're very very happy to 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 be the ones who um who oversaw that and made sure there would be a good translation indexable there's many there are many difficulties there's always many difficulties translating any book, but there's by default difficulties translating Calvin because he is such a uh, Renaissance scholar, uh, very colorful in his words. Um, and Albanian language, because of the communist regime and the Islam influence, uh, the, the old Albanian language got archaic, unused, and in terms of a theological and philosophical um, thesaurus. It's very poor. So, for example, if in uh, in the uh, English you have three words for believing, faith, trust, and believe, we have one. Um, and also, in terms of theological word, we, we, we had difficulties with basic terms, covenant, um, and even more difficult to translate in one word, covenantal. Um, and, and, and there is so much of, of, of this um, linguistic work that was to be done in order to, to, to do this. Probably we're going to edit um, that book of, uh, a few times in, in, in a number of other future editions. Um, but as it is, we're very pleased with, with what we have done, and we pray that the Lord will bless it. It, it, was, it, it is in a translation world that it was fully tra- uh, paid for. We raised money for it, and we've been blessed for it. We even have money left to publish it. So we are very happy for that. The, the other project that we're thinking about is a uh, curriculum for Sunday school for, for, for children and youth. Uh, the Lord has blessed the work in Albania in the sense also that we now have more people to work with. There is a Dutch Reformed um, mission work from Holland. Uh, there is also a couple of uh, missionary families, uh, pastors, church planters from the Presbyterian Church of Brazil. And these are good guys. These are solid theologically. Uh, they are on the right side of all the issues. 
and we have started a sweet cooperation with each other. So, for example, when it comes to publishing standards, we're going for, for Calvin 500, we're going to publish one volume with all the three forms of unity, the first four um, uh, ancient church creeds and the Westminster standards. So we're going to do that together. Uh, we also decided to see maybe the possibility in the future of our church plans merging into a Presbyterian and into a denomination. When I went to Albania, I went with the long-term goal to not only stay there you know, until the end, but also to possibly see a Reformed Presbyterian denomination be started in Albania. Now, as church planting is much slower in Europe than you have it in in US. Um, I started getting discouraged because, you know, I've still spent my first 10 years there. I was still in all the first church plant and I plan to plant at least three churches in order to have a presbytery. But now with the um, Presbyterian Church of Brazil missionaries and with the Dutch Reformed brothers, we are seeing the possibility of forming um, a Reformed Presbyterian um, denomination in, in, in Albania. And so as first steps toward getting closer together, what we're doing is we all our church plans meet for to worship together three times a year for Easter, Christmas, and Reformation Sunday. Um, we decided to work together on refining the language of our standards so whatever translation we have is official, is is final, because it's going to be there forever. I mean, all the uh, all the church debates are going to be settled by the translation and uh, edition that we're going to produce. But also, uh, we decided to produce common material, m- or uh, material that could be used for uh, by every, everyone. So we decided to produce a Sunday school um, program. And I suggested that we will use the uh, Great Commission publication, Show Me Jesus. Um, it, it's, it's a much better, much fuller, more developed, colorful. So we are looking into translating that as the next uh, common translation project. Um, at the same time, I am producing uh, four manuals on church, uh, on leadership training. So I'm producing, translating, writing, um, a manual on eldership, a manual on deacons, a manual on uh, the, our theological standards and on um, uh, church polity. So uh, we have agreed that uh, the materials that I produce are going to be used to uh, train uh, the elders in the other two um, mission works or whatever other missionaries will have in the future. And, and, and b- between singing um, common hymns, we have the same theology. Uh, our churches meet together. We as missionary pastors, we meet each month for prayer. Uh, we're producing materials that are going to be used by all our um, church plants in the future. I think there is in my mind good hope that actually I'm going to see my dream to see a Presbyterian Reformed denomination in Albania before I'm not too dead. <laughs> before you're not uh, too dead. Too dead, yeah. Um, so God God has been really good to us and blessing us, and, and it has been a privilege to, to, to be there and, and, and to see these things happening. 
That is a great blessing, Bertie. I mean, I read about missionaries who spend their entire careers laboring and laboring and laboring, and they only ever see a few converts. You know, they don't even see it really a church particularize. And uh, the true um, the true influence of their ministry it, and, and the seeds that they sow don't come to fruit until many years after their death, even, even decades after their death. So, um, you know, I think of Philip Zwemer in the Middle That's East right, and, yeah. and, and other missionaries like that, but what a great gift it is to you and to us to see so much fruit in Albania even now. And, it, you know, there's still small works. But small works. So all, we will pray for a presbytery. Thank you. All, all the churches in, in Eastern Europe, they, they tend to be smaller churches, 30, 50, uh, 100 church people in, in Albania. It's, it's considered a mega church. <laughs> uh, our church is small by all, by all standards. It's just about 25 to 30 people. Um, but um, God, God has been bringing new souls into into our lives, and 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 we've been trying to minister them as best as we can, and we've started to see to see fruits. Now, before I let you go, I do want to take a few minutes and talk about specifically um, your time at Greenville and how your studies here in the classroom equipped you for all of this uh, theological heavy lifting that you're doing in Albania, all of the good work that you're doing. So what, um, you know, I I draw this distinction. We're equipped in the seminary, we're equipped in the classroom, we're trained in the local church, and then we're sent out uh, into, into the mission, into the work. So how are you equipped in the classroom for the work that you're doing now? The best uh, aspect, I think, of Greenwood Seminary, for me, coming from, I, I was green when I came to U.S. I was green when I came to Greenwood Seminary. And the fact that God put me at Greenwood Seminary is, um, is a gracious work from His part. Because I could have been accepted to Princeton. And being as green as I was, I would have been a Barthian, a liberal, uh, probably non-Bible believing person. Um, if I'd come, if I'd gone to some other seminary, my theology would have been quite different. But God was gracious to bring me to Greenwood Seminary, and being as green as I was, I was open to whatever the teachers were were, were giving me, and they were giving me Orthodox, Reformed Christianity. Um, it was not an indoctrination; it was an education because they were were always taught of other um, beliefs or other uh, options that are out there in the Christendom. Um, but it was argued from the Bible; it was argued theologically and historically of what uh, the truth is. And and it 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 was when I look back, it was such a blessing that I came to Greenwood Seminary un guarded and unprotected as I was in my mind uh, to actually rest in the knowledge that they are teaching me the truth and I don't have to wrestle with my professors uh, in e- either in theological um, uh, on over theological issues or literary or hyper, hi, higher criticism issues or things like that. It, it's, it's a solid seminary where the student can come and rest and learn unmolested by crazy ideas that, that you might find in other seminaries out there. And of course, I, you know, I came in and I had no money and I left with no, no loans and, and, and 
debts. Um, but the, the other side, you know, the, the small classroom, six to ten people, you're looking at personal investments from the side of seminary professors. I remember when we graduated uh, in, in a discussion with the board, they said, remember, we have invested about around 150 to $200,000 on each and every one of you. That's how much it goes to train one person. Um, and Greenville Seminary, I think, finds, has to, I, I, I think, can be proud of that they generously invest that kind of money to six, 10, 12 guys in, in one classroom and actually you have a personal relationship with your professors. You learn, and, and the, the other thing that I liked about the government seminar was that these were men that had been in ministry before they came into the classroom. So they're not just giving you dry lectures. They are telling you how these ideas practically work um, in the daily um, ministry life. Um, and it, it, I, I think, and this is not an excuse to go to the pulpit unprepared or to go to a uh, pastoral visitation unprepared, but even when I've been unprepared enough, I could still fall back on my seminary education. Um, and, and, and be fine. But it's, it's, it's this, this kind of gracious Cal, uh, Calvinism um, in, in, in workings um, that you see in the lives of Greenwood Seminary students and, and faculty and board members that, that makes a big difference, make, makes a big difference. Um, and of course now with the new, with the, uh, you know, new and updated uh, building and, and library, I, I wish I was here you know, um, later on, uh, when you have all this space to actually even, even do, do more research, but um, the, the 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 scholarship uh, of Grimble, the pastoral wisdom of of, of professors, uh, the practical um, training that that you get from Grimble Seminary, um, it's it's unmatched. I think it's it's a perfect combination. Uh, when it comes to the church life. Um, Grinnell Seminary trained, you know, uh, equipped me. Um, but and and this is not to speak badly of Grinnell Seminary. It should be like that, where you will you, a, a person that comes out of seminary should be able to say that the biggest influence in my life was my local church, my uh, elders, deacons, and the pastors. Um, so that's what I say. As good as Grinnell Seminary was to me, the local church was even better. Um, godly elders and deacons, just a wonderful church body. One of the best preaching in town, maybe in South Carolina, comes out of the pulpit of Woodruff Road Presbyterian Church. Uh, visionary leadership from the senior pastor and the the de and the elders from the very beginning on the phone uh, Carl Robbins was asked my senior pastor Bertie such and such guys come from Eastern Europe he needs a church to adopt him on the phone he adopted me on, in, in the name of the church uh, on the phone he sent the deacon to pick me up at the airport the deacons took care all the five years when I was in the seminary um, and it wasn't just you know buying books for me and, and paying my rent it, it was so much more uh, being in and out of their homes for lunches and dinners, um, being um, 
taken uh, to, to, to family visitations with them, um, being allowed to stay in the session meetings and the deacons meetings, uh, to learn practically how you approach issues, how, how you deal with issues, how you behave when we disagree in the session meeting, uh, gracious Calvinism in the workings, um, how it's how practically is pastoral ministry is done, and um, as much so, um, Grinnell Seminary was was um, was wonderful, and local church was equally, if, if not more important, in, in, in my life, and and it takes a lot. I I realize now when I'm doing uh, discipling and discipleship myself, how much effort goes into this kind of pastoral discipleship um, to pay attention to, you know, no one really coming from Eastern Europe and to be treated like that um, as equal and to be taken by hand and to, to grow somebody into a ministry and a minister. It's it takes a lot. It takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of aggressiveness on the part of leadership, church leadership, and wisdom too. Because it, it kind of you're feeding a baby here. You, you cannot just give them meat right off the spot. And um, this this walking down the aisle um, for me, it, it was it was the most interesting journey in my life. Uh, being at Woodruff Road Presbyterian Church. Bertie, thank you so much for joining me again here in the studio. I'm so glad that you're in town. We were able to do this live and not over the phone or over a broken internet connection or something like that. I'm looking forward to you know seeing you um, around more when you do make your visits here. And I'm very thankful for you. And I'm glad that you know I get to hear about the work you're doing on a regular basis. But I hope that this that this little podcast is a blessing to our listeners and an exhortation to them to pray for the Konas, pray for Bertie and Jenny and their children, and pray for Albania and for the the growth, this ecumenical work of men, ministers, missionaries who are united by the truth. The truth of the Reformed faith founded upon the, the truth of Scripture, and that, that we would see in our day a, a presbytery, a, a Reformed denomination form in Albania that will for many decades, years, and, and even centuries to come until the Lord returns be a blessing to the people of God. Bertie, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Zach, and thank you, Girls Seminary. You've been listening to a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, please visit www.gpts.edu.